the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I'm about to release seven episodes of this show, and with me this week is youth co-director, beard, bearded beauty, Daniel Rye. Yay, Daniel. Moderate, mustached man, Scott Reed. Scott. And smooth as the day he was born, Bill Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy. <laughs> What'd you say? Buffy. Buffy? Yeah. What's that mean? Buffy butt. Oh. Little baby's butts. Uh, baby's butts. They're smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, will you? I don't know if I can. <laughs> well, uh, Bill, right. have, you ever, have, you ever, have you ever grown a beard or a mustache? A mustache. Yeah, I had a mustache. Well, you I was in my 20s. <laughs> I was it was it was blonde, so it was Whoa. difficult to see. You know? Yeah. Why was it blonde? You're, blonde? you're not blonde. Well, I was I was blonde as a kid. Really? Yeah. Mm. Well, I was blonde as a kid. But my mustache has never been blonde. Okay. I feel like most white babies are blonde as kids. I mean, like I was blonde until I was like 10. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill, will you grow a mustache for my wedding? No. All right, well, <laughs> Scott, will you pray for us? Yeah. I thought you were going to ask if I would grow a mustache. <laughs> I know the answer to that question. Yeah. You're a real friend. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and just the joy of being together and having some laughs, enjoying each other's company. And I pray, Lord, that our time together would be glorifying to you, um, that what we talk about today would really be edifying to us and to all those who hear it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Scott. All right. It's time for another round of Would You Rather Mix and Match. Woo! (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) Short, sweet, and to the point. All right. Uh, Daniel, I've discovered I can do this really easily with just two cards, and I just go back and and forth. Yeah. That's good. Each down, because there's four questions on each card. Hmm. So we each get one. Daniel, would you rather have an itch in the middle of your back all the time or. Be ridiculed by a child until your feelings are hurt. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> a good I've, question. <laughs> I'll take the itch in the back. Whoa. I'd take the ridicule. All the time? All, oh, all, the, all time. the time? It's not just once. Oh, <laughs> you have for, it. for a few minutes. <laughs> I'll take the ridicule from the kid. All right. I'm sorry. There's no take backs on the Bloomingdale Church podcast. <laughs> all right. Max, right. would you rather have to sing every word you speak? I just or, did. <laughs> wait. Oh, well, that was, it's too late now. Or have your nose grow a quarter inch a year? Whoa. Do I, does it a random direction or is it getting longer? <laughs> I think it's probably in all directions. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be. A, well, if it's a quarter inch, evenly divided among it doesn't say that. the 360 to five, 360 degrees of coverage in my nose. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, <coughs> shoot. I'll go with my nose, man. Wow. I know. Wow is right. That's going to be down on your knees when you're an <laughs> old man. <laughs> so that's an inch every four years. So oh, you're man, approaching 30. So stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I speak of myself. As well, well uh, it's fine for you. So, so let's say Two you live to be inches in a another 60 years. Yeah. So that's 15 wow. inches. Well, tell me, tell me and the listeners, how big is my nose now? How many at inches? At least 14 is... inches. So well, we're, right. we're looking at over <laughs> double in size. <laughs> okay. Well, no, I mean, there's first of all, there's no take backs. But secondly, I just, I feel like. You know, <laughs> you either die the hero or you live long enough to get a giant nose. You're going to die by your nose getting caught in an airplane or something. <laughs> it's going like to make driving really difficult. In the middle. <laughs> it's going to be a distinguishing feature, that's for sure. I wonder what it's going to be. Made. Oh, the guy with a nose. Like yeah, how much of it will be bone and how much of it will be cartilage? I Ooh. just think about how much will people... How much will it be snot? How much you can do there? <laughs> I'm good. I think I've justified my point. <laughs> sure. All right, Bill. Would you rather? Whoa! What? That's crazy. So on both of these cards, it's the, same the first four words of two completely different questions is "go back in time." Oh wow! Oh. That's so weird. All right. You were so excited about that. You could have told me like it says Daniel Wright is sitting on your left. And like <laughs> that was the level of excitement. No, it was just it was weird because I was trying to figure out which one I was going to read first, 
And then I was like, wait, these are the same thing. <laughs> anyway, would you rather go back in time and live the rest of your life as anyone you choose from history who has already passed on? Okay. Okay. At, so, so, I don't know what point in their life you're picking up, but I guess your yeah. current age. I'm in but the in theater their life. <laughs> with Mrs. Lincoln. <laughs> All right. That's what it says, though. Okay. Would you rather go back in time and live the rest of your... You okay. Just listener mail bell. <laughs> <laughs> go back in time and live the rest of your life as anyone you choose from history who has already passed on, or go back in time and give your younger self advice that will change your life. Mm. I'd rather go back and just give myself some advice. What advice would you give yourself? Oh, I think one thing I would say to myself is Bible binge right from like 18, you know, huh. and just really start memorizing, get get the whole New Testament memorized by the time you're like, say, 35 years old, hmm. and then just recite it when you preach. And hmm. I, I've got plenty of advice, but that's that's the first thing that came to my mind. Wow. Well, do you think you would listen to that advice as 18-year-old Bill? You were like a <clears throat> rascal, weren't you? I would listen to that advice because I was already called to the ministry. Hmm. Yeah, I'd hope I'd listen to this advice. My gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> I've already learned it in the school of hard knocks. Why why redo it? Yeah. I, if I can detract us or, or derail us for a second, um, as I was editing all of the last seven episodes uh, in the last couple of days, um, one of the things that, that you mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, Bill, was about, you know, when you went to you know, being called to the ministry and then spending a lot of time in seminary writing about <coughs> scripture, right? And the inerrancy mm-hmm. of scripture and, and whether or not, you know, you actually believe that. And it was mm-hmm. like first Peter is does first Peter belong in the Bible or second Peter. Second that, Peter. That's the most difficult book to justify. Um, and you said, you know, you would have considered it disingenuous and you wouldn't have been able to go into the ministry if you hadn't sort of settled that question for yourself. Right. When I went to look at Whitworth College, Whitworth University, to, to potentially go to college there, which is a, a Christian college in eastern Washington state, um, I, I sat in on a theology class where the professor uh, was talking about doubt. Um, at, at some point in the lecture was talking about doubt. And he said, you know, I've, I've preached to you guys not believing. Like, he's like, everybody has doubts sometimes. And like, sometimes that can last for days or weeks or whatever. And he's like, I've preached, I've taught you guys about the Bible, not believing what I was teaching you, mm-hmm. which I think at the time I was like, I, I didn't, you know, I've never heard anybody say that. So I was like, well, that's really interesting and kind of cool. And um, I've never heard anybody say something like that since, um, and, and I guess my question to the, to the table is when, you know, have you had substantial doubts about, you know, whether God is truly out there, whether he is real, whether if he is real, he's good. Um, if the Bible is to be fully trusted, like inerrant, um, have you, you know, since settling that question as a kid, Bill, um, or, you know, something, yeah. a seminary student, you know, has, have you had, you know, have you had substantial doubts? And if so, has it been while you were working in ministry for, for any of the three of you? And obviously you two have had slightly less time than Bill to work in ministry and potentially have doubts at the same time. But like, I'm curious about that. Well, I have doubts, but usually they're really not about the existence of God or the infallibility of Scripture. Every now and then you run across a problem in Scripture and you say, hmm, what do you do with this? But over time you begin to realize there's an answer to this. Hmm. Don't don't worry. You're going to find it. you got way more reason to have faith in God and His Word than you have to doubt. Hmm. And so you have... This great phrase, doubt your doubts. Okay. Which is very important. Do you have an example of of a doubt that you had that came along that you were like, you know, don't panic, like you'll find out? Well, they're they're small. I mean, it's things where you compare one gospel to another and you have them, the the disciples being told, take a staff with you. Mm-hmm. Don't take a staff. You think, well, wait, what, what, what is it? Well, 
probably it's two different occasions. That's hmm. probably what it is. But but there's a lot of little nitpicking things like that that sometimes you just blow them away out of proportion and say, oh, no, it's all falling in. It's like, no, 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 it's really not. It's, it's, no, no, settle down. Scott and Daniel, you guys had doubts, whether in, you know, bad times or even in good times or just like the rote day-to-day times where you'd kind of... Yeah, I'd say I'd, I've had a couple doubts. Um <clears throat> I think particularly when like I have felt like a certain like like a five plus ten year plan in my head and like this what I think is clearly what the path forward is and then like that gets upended and then it's like well was I supposed to do this like mm. was I supposed to do this and I always come back to like yeah yeah, yeah. I'm supposed to I'm supposed <clears throat> to be doing what I've how I've landed here. So, yeah. Yeah. I think you'll, you may remember this, uh, moment that you and I had when we were living together back in, in 2020. Um, but, uh, it was like mid 2020 and I had just applied to grad school. Um, and, uh, as soon as I applied, I mean, I, I had felt, Almost of almost nothing else in my life had I felt as sure as the fact that God was calling me to apply to this program. Uh, and and my assumption was like, if it's that strong, like I'm clearly going to get in. And as soon as I submitted my application, I just that was the first time in my life I really felt like the devil was trying to talk to me and trying to say like, what if this is like all in your head? Mm-hmm. Um, what if these things that you see is, as God bringing things together are either coincidences or they're not actually like as, as open of doors as you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it, what does it mean if you don't get in? Um, and I, I talked to, to Daniel, Dan Marcello about it and, and he gave me a, a really important piece of advice that stuck with me since, which is, you know, he's like, the devil doesn't know what's going to happen. Because I think in that moment, it was really easy for me to say, like, well, the devil's pre-gaming me for when I don't get in because he knows I'm not going to get in. And then, you know, it's going to be a downfall. And 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 Dan was just like, well, the devil doesn't know what's going to happen. Like, he's finite. Um, so, like, yeah, he can, you know, try and lay whatever groundwork he wants. But, like, he doesn't know why God called you to do that either. Um, and he's just hedging his bets. <clears throat> And uh, I remember lying on your on our floor, on our living room floor, and asking you like, if I'm wrong about this, like if I don't if I don't get in, does that mean that I was wrong to think I was called? And if I was wrong about that, what other things have I thought God told me to do that I might be wrong about? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, I didn't get in. Uh, but what did happen was I was like, that's a really cool interview process, uh, and I I tried to recreate it. Um, mm-hmm. for my business. And it's been like the backbone of my entire business for the last two years has been what I learned from interviewing <clears throat> for grad school. Um, oh. and wow. And like my, you know, it, it opened the door for me to be able to have the business be enough that I could move out. Right. And, and, and that was not something that was in my mind at all when I was applying, but that was one of the many things that, that God brought out of it. It also gave me a lot of closure about, you know, feeling pressured to go to grad school for most of my life mm. and the act of applying and doing all the groundwork for it and really digging into like, what is this program? This is like the most excited I've ever been about a grad school program. And then doing even more digging and learning about like the student body and, and meeting some of the faculty members and being like, I don't really like these people. <laughs> I don't really mm. want to do this. Uh, the program seems really cool, but the people don't seem great. Um, and yeah, I, I've never worried about whether I should go back to grad school since then, uh, which was something, again, I'd, every day of my life, I'd, I'd figured I needed to do that as long as I can remember. So um, yeah, I don't know. That's that's <laughs> one instance where, I mean, God always wins, um, but I had never felt that level of just like, man, is my whole life built on a lie and a ball of like just feelings um that it's like it feels like god's telling me to do this and the answer's the answer was no um and uh praise god for for showing up and, and showing that to me um yeah i don't know why it just reminded me of that story <laughs> that is a great story whoever learned something just from applying to a school that, that's impressive <laughs> before we go back to would you rathers any final thoughts on doubts <laughs> 
Or where to, where to see where to see God at work if you're having doubts right now? Um, I think the when it comes to that question, like remembering, mm. taking time to look back at what God has already done. Mm. Um, I think that's especially in the Old Testament. That's like kind of where a lot of things go off. It's people f- forget about God. Mm. So like just taking some time to look back and remember those moments where you felt really close to God. Mm. I think that's something that you, I mean, in your sermon a, a couple weeks ago, or I guess like a month or two ago, Scott, when you talked about writing things down, when we mm-hmm. see God move, um, I think because memories are obviously fallible, um, especially in the moment, it can be very hard <clears throat> to remember, you know, one of the critical things about depression is that universally you don't ever feel like you're going to be like not depressed again. Like Mm. of everybody who has depression, that's like the thing they say is like, it feels like I will never not feel this way again. Mm. And I think that that's very true of, of, you know, when we have a hard time remembering what God's done for us, it's like, I'm doubting and I don't feel like I could ever stop. Mm. Um, I think, (coughs) excuse me. Um, I think that Satan often uses our, shortcomings to like pull us away from God. And I mean like our shortcomings in our own faith. Hmm. Um, I think a good example um, is like, actually I can think of a couple of good examples. One is like, you know, you're praying or you're trying to pray and you kind of get distracted. And so you're like, ah, I'm distracted. Like what was the point? Uh, Or like, I'm not good at this. I'm just going to stop trying or like whatever, rather than just being like, sorry, God, I got distracted. I'm going to start, I'm going to pray again now. Or like, you know, you're trying to read through the Bible or just read the Bible at all. And you like miss a few days and you're like, ah, I've missed the last two days. I can't read the Bible anymore. And like when you put it, you know, explicitly, it sounds ridiculous, but that is kind of how we, how we approach it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I messed up. I, you know, I just, there's no point trying anymore. Um, And I think doubts can be the same way. You know, when we have those doubts, it's like, well, I'm doubting, so, like, I'm obviously not a good Christian or I'm not a Christian, and so I should just, like, stop bothering. Um, but, like, I don't think that's true. I think, you know, like what Mark said in his sermon this past week, the passage of the I believe help my unbelief, mm-hmm. you know, like, you can have doubts. You can be a, a Christian and, and still have doubts. You can be following Jesus and still have doubts, and, like, and God can handle it. Like, when the guy said that to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, like, well... Not good enough. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that second half. Get out of here. Um, like God can handle our doubts and like don't let Satan um, cause you to believe that just because you're doubting doesn't like it means that you you know, should just give up or mm. or that God doesn't love you anymore or that you've you know you've missed your chance or anything like that because that's just not true. I think a lot of my doubts they're not about God. They're not about the Bible. They're about myself and what's going on at the time. Mm-hmm. That's just not as firm a foundation as the Word of God and God Himself. It's easy to doubt yourself, especially when you're doing new things and you just don't know. You don't even know anybody else that's doing them. You think, mm-hmm. will this really work? Yeah. Or will it be a big waste of everybody's time? I think one of the beautiful things about the God that we serve and that we love and that loves and knows us is like that he's not afraid of our fears and he's not afraid of our doubts. He's not like, Oh no, (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Especially like what he wants is for us to tell him. Right. I mean, that's why we have prayer. And like when Jesus went into the, the garden and he prayed, like, if there's any other way, you know, take this cup away from me. It wasn't like God was like, man, what are you doing? Um, and it wasn't like, he was like, Oh man, I got this fear. I better not tell God about it. Um, Scott, ask yourself, what was your other question? <laughs> so what I was going to do and what I'm still going to do is then do a, uh, a lightning round with the other halves of the questions. Sweet. But well, I won't ask the same person. The other half will go, I don't know. I guess we'll start with me. So that's probably the easiest way. So I'll do two in a row. Would I rather, if my life depended on it, have to jump over something four feet high I'm assuming it means like, that's got to mean like not just like a diving jump, but like a, like getting your feet up four feet. Well, how high is four feet? Yeah, I guess it must be. Because otherwise that wouldn't be that hard. Well, because you could run into something four feet and flip over it. Yeah. 
You know, you well, can I run mean, into a four foot fence and yeah. your, your weight will flip you over it. Got to <laughs> jump over something four feet high. Or in a tornado area, live in a house sloppily built from stone. <laughs> um, I don't know what a sloppily built stone house even means. I've seen a lot of houses recently. <laughs> Sloppy. Sloppily built. There was stone. one. I don't know if Tony Peterson listens to the podcast, mm-hmm. but we went and looked at a house with him <clears throat> that was a concrete block mm-hmm. basement, a concrete block foundation. Uh, and this basement wall was bowed in like towards the room mm-hmm. by maybe like a foot and a half. I mean, it was like, like you could stick your fingers in the holes in the cement blocks, yeah, like over the top, wow, and then down into the, and it's all painted, <laughs> painted over. And it was like good to go. Well, that's because it's leaking. Yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah, wow. So, so do you think so that would, will withstand a tornado? No, I don't think that'll withstand the next five years. <laughs> I think I've got it. Well, I don't know. I don't think I've ever tried to jump over something four feet high. Because, like, on the one hand, with the tornado area, it's like, well, that might never be a problem. Because hmm. the tornado might never come by my house. Sure. But with the four feet high, it's like... It's here now. <laughs> it's here now, and I either got to do it or I die. I think I'm going to go with the tornado area, because either way, there's a chance that I die. But the tornado area, is there's less of a chance that wow. it will actually impact me, whereas Damn. the other one, there's a 100% chance that it will impact me. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> um, lightning round with the other halves. Um would I rather be ridiculed by an adult until my feelings are hurt or have an eyelash in my eye all the time? <sighs> I'm going to go with an adult. All right, be ridiculed Bill. By an adult. Um, hurt his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, would you rather speak like a static radio fading in and out your entire life? <laughs> so or have Freaky. your ears grow a half inch per year? <laughs> oh. Which I'll have you know is going to be probably over 30 inches by the time you're an old man. <laughs> I'll go with talking like a static radio. What? Uh, it'll be useful if, uh, if I need to get out of a phone call or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's pretty All good. right, Max, would you rather go into the future and find out what you'll encounter in years to come mm. or keep living your own life? <laughs> <laughs> the, the first one. I'd like to do the first one, please. <laughs> and, Bill, would you rather, in a tornado area, live in a house very well built from wood or, if your life depended on it, have to jump over something eight feet long? Oh, I can jump something eight feet long. That's no big deal. Wow. <laughs> wow. Really? From a run? You can jump eight feet? Yeah. You can long jump eight feet? Can we set that up right now? You That's know, amazing, you know, Bill. Measure. Well, good for you. Maybe I can't do it anymore, but I used to do standing broad jumps of roughly nine six. From a standstill, you would jump more than one and a half more, times more the length nine. of my body. More. Yeah. Wow. Jeez Louise, Bill. <laughs> All right. So well, that, think of these people that are good at it. They're they're those long jumpers. They have cleared thirty feet. Mm-hmm. Is that <laughs> real? The world is, record. Is that true? The world. I remember for many years the world record was twenty nine two, and it stood for about thirty years. It was set by Bob Beeman in the Mexico Olympics in 68, and nobody could touch it. The air was thin, and he did the perfect jump. Wow. And then, it I mean, way into the future, roughly 30 years later, maybe 20 years later, somebody, his first name was Mike, he, he finally <laughs> broke that Mike. record. Man. Yeah. So it might not be 30. It might be like 29.6 or something. I want to put some tape on the ground and... Uh... Don't ask me to do it today because I'm in PT. I just really don't want to get hurt. <laughs> How convenient, Bill. <laughs> I, I just want people to come into Alpha and be like, why is this tape on the ground? Yeah. I want Bill to go into physical therapy and then be like, Bill, what happened? Well, I was trying to do a standing broad jump for my church podcast. <laughs> oh, I, I don't think I could do the standing at, at eight anymore. I, I would have to run now. 
I can't believe you could jump nine feet from a standstill. Uh, before we get into uh, would you rather's, nope. Before we get into the things you didn't know and everything else that's going to be part of the show, uh, I have a quick question for you. Uh, a long time ago, we talked about aliens. We talked about um, whether or not, like, what aliens mean for the Bible and for the gospel. Um, because the U.S. government was declassifying everything it knows about aliens, uh, and that ended up happening, and it wasn't very exciting. It turned out pretty much everything that had leaked was pretty much everything of interest, uh, which is too bad. Um, But uh, we talked about that a a long time ago. I want to talk ever so briefly because, I I mean, I do believe that this is physically impossible, but, uh, you know, what are the implications of of backwards time travel? Hmm. On the gospel, if 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 human beings invent a way to travel back in time and then back forward in time, does that does it mean anything? I mean, I assume if you went back and saw Jesus, like I mean, he'd know us. Mm-hmm. So he'd, he'd be like, "Hi, Bill. <laughs> Hi. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Eighty <laughs> thirty. I don't know. Like, I, I guess the answer is nothing. But how is God still sovereign if we can travel through time? If time travel, especially with our understanding of God being outside of time, if there is an outside of time, which we believe that there is, mm-hmm. then then time as we experience it is sort of it's it's not the end all be all of of being. You know, there is a a timeline on which we live and we find ourselves currently, and the other events on that timeline are all could be observed, right. which means that the things that haven't happened yet are still known to a being that is outside of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's true, then those things in in a way have happened or are happening simultaneously with what's happening now, which is to say that somebody going back in time in the future has already happened mm. and all of the things are already the way that they will be and, and you couldn't change it because it's the it's just the timeline. Sure. Um, that's kind of how I think about it. Okay. and so like god you know seeing time as he does i think he would see the fact that people would went back in time is like he's not experiencing it as we are he knows beginning to end how it plays out and so he would already know that that person went back and did this thing which means that the things that happened afterwards wouldn't have been changed because he would already have known how that was going to play out because that would have already happened yep so so if he are, I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about with Calvinism last week. <laughs> like if God already knows everything that's going to happen, then it's not like you can surprise him by going back in time. Right. He's like, yeah, you were going to go back in time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, Daniel, in seven <laughs> words or less, uh, more than three words, but less than 10, uh, if there's a multiverse, are all humans saved by one Jesus dying on the cross? Scott's got his fists up ready to count these words. (laughs) I will allow you to retract your words. Ooh, okay. So you can say a word and backpedal, but that, you know. Yeah. But but you can't continue to use the meaning of that word that you backpedaled on. It's now forgotten forever. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't say it for the rest of the show. Or the rest of your life. Here it comes. Uh, You want me to repeat the question? Yeah. Um, (laughs) If there is a multiverse... Did Jesus dying in our universe save all humans across all timelines? Jesus died for all mankind. Jesus died for all mankind. Nice. Uh, Bill, will you give Good me job. a word? I mean, will you give me a number between one and a thousand and one, please? 777. 777. I, I, we must have done this one before. Uh I don't know if we have. Uh, this comes to us uh, from 1001 Things You Always Wanted to Know About the Bible But Never Thought to Ask by who, Daniel? Um, Jerry Stephen Lang. Yes. Jerome Stephen Lang. Jerome. Is, uh, uh, this comes from the section Literature, Theater, and Movies, number 777, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't think we have. Uh, before composer Andrew Lloyd Webber and lyricist Tim Rice wrote Jesus Christ Superstar, they wrote another biblical musical based on the story of Joseph and his jealous brothers told in Genesis 37 to 50. While Jesus Christ Superstar aroused controversy because it shows Jesus' crucifixion but not resurrection, Joseph is non-controversial. 
In fact, some church groups have staged it before. The music is delightful with songs ranging from rock to... This is like the most... Editorialized. This is the most editorializing he's ever... I like that... It's funny to me that he calls it non-controversial. Like, I don't think you can call anything non-controversial anymore. Uh, the music is delightful with songs ranging from rock to ballads to cabaret tunes. The Egyptian pharaoh does an Elvis impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene showing Potiphar's wife trying to seduce Joseph is hilarious. <laughs> what the- <laughs> Um, I think he just really likes his music. He wanted to let everyone know. (laughs) The story of the boy sold into slavery by his brothers, only to later forgive them and rescue them from famine, has a universal appeal. Note, not once does it play, not not once does the play mention God, uh, which is important to say. Um, Seems kind of controversial. Right. Well, that that is kind of controversial. Yeah. In one song, he does say, "Children of Israel are never alone." True. I sang that song in high school. Did you really? Yeah. Bill, are you a fan of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Yeah, I've seen it. I liked it. Do you think it's controversial? Do you think it's hilarious? <laughs> Do you think I don't even remember delightful? that scene about Potiphar's wife. So <laughs> we always skip that part on the DVD in my family. All right. <laughs> uh, no, we saw it as a live musical in Aurora. I think at the Paramount Theater. <laughs> My brother was in the show in our local theater in my hometown. Okay. What role did he play? He was a brother. I think he was Gad. Wait, your brother was a brother? (laughs) He was born to play that role. (laughs) Actually, Uh, you were born for him to play that role. That's that's Actually, he was already a brother. Yep. Yep. Nope. My sister's name is Julia. His wife's name is Gad. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any final thoughts on Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? (laughs) I'm sorry, Julia. (laughs) I've watched it so many times as a kid. Mm-hmm. I had it on a VHS. And With Donny Osmond? Yeah. Yeah. I rewind that sucker mil- a million times. I, I mm. love the when the like the marimbas come in and it's, oh, the, it's like, <laughs> I close my eyes. Ah, oh, that is a really good one. This show is so off the rails. Um, it's a good thing we got some good talk in before, during Would You Rather. Amen. Or we're laying the rails as we go. That's right. We make our own road, make our own trail. Um, any, any final thoughts on Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Bill, would we put on a, pr- a, a performance of that play here? I doubt it. Why? I think we put on a performance of any play here. Well, we used to. Really? We, we used to have big productions. Wow. That were an enormous amount of work, and that might be why we weren't we aren't doing them anymore. Hmm. Makes sense. Yes. But the reason why I say I doubt it is the ones we did have, they had a true evangelistic appeal. Hmm. I remember it's probably been a minimum of 10 years ago that the last one was performed. It was, I don't remember the name of the play, but it was outstanding. It was just outstanding. And it had a great message. Mario Fernandez Jr. was the star of the show. Uh, wow. Yeah. It, it, Nancy Hellstrom would just pour herself into the whole, sure. whole program. Yeah. And sense. then she'd rope her husband, Steve, into practically inventing things to, in order to make uh, the props work. Sets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What were you going to say, Daniel? <clears throat> well, maybe next year the youth banquet will be Joseph and the Amazing <laughs> Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I doubt it, but you never know. Or Prince of Egypt themed. Prince mm. of Egypt. That's I'm in favor of that. Prince of Egypt is pretty great. Prince of Egypt is awesome. Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Poppins. The magic in Mary Poppins just still blows my mind. Well, you saw it on Broadway. Yeah, I, I have no idea how they were pulling that mm-hmm. off. Man. It really, it turned the whole audience into little kids. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> was it like with the bag, like with the bottomless bag, or it? It was everything. The bottomless bag is something I think we could all explain, but there, there were like staircases showing up out of nowhere. And it's like, how are they doing this? <laughs> if Disney can do it. If Disney yeah. can do it, so can we. Uh, Scott, do you know what uh, two days from now, March 11th, is the anniversary of? Sure, it's the anniversary of a lot of things. <laughs> But do you know any of them? <laughs> I didn't ask you if it's no. an anniversary. <laughs> to uh, March 11th, 
two years ago was the day that the World Health Organization dis- uh, declared COVID-19 officially a pandemic. That makes sense. It was our fourth episode, mm. um, and that was the beginning of we are now more or less. Uh, that was when schools started, started shutting down. That week was when uh, Bloomingdale went all online for church, uh, which makes this the two-year anniversary of the coronavirus pandemic well, it uh, wasn't technically that week it was the next week yeah well like, right so then because ne- i remember that church is closed on you weenies what's wrong with you <laughs> and then at the governing board meeting the very next day <laughs> they were talking about okay we're gonna have to close this down and this down. i said well wait a minute wait a minute are we going to have to close down? And then I would name things. Yeah, Pastor, you're going to have to close that down. Oh, man. You weenies. <laughs> <laughs> it just took me more time to realize, oh, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. We really are going to close all this stuff down. Yeah. It was a little bit negotiable there at the very beginning. Some of the smaller things got to stay. Sure. Because mm-hmm. you didn't have 10 people in the room. Right. But the, but the worship services got closed down. Yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, just all that information was coming in and we didn't know what to believe and mm-hmm. that obviously mm-hmm. didn't fully change or go away. But I remember, <laughs> you know, being with you, Bill, and having, you know, you come out and to the front desk and say like, well, I heard this today <laughs> yeah, um, and trying to gauge how long it would be. And I don't think anyone expected it to be two years and, and still... <sighs> It hasn't had like a definite end, depending on who you ask. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that we're back to the way we were two and a week, two years and a week ago. Um, but uh, we, it's been a long time since we did a, a sort of COVID check-in, um, and uh, I want to take this opportunity. Um, we're gonna we're gonna mix because I don't want to do one round of good things and one round of bad things. Um, but I want to give us a little bit of time uh, to to reflect. And to say what has been the best thing that has come out of the last two years of the pandemic. Uh, and also, what's one of the worst things that, that has come out of it that we've seen? Um, does anybody have a, a best or a worst thing that they'd like to, to start out with? One thing that jumps out at me is how clear it became at a visceral level the importance of community. Hmm. The mm-hmm. people craved human interaction, and it was a case of such starvation that getting on Zoom became a highlight right. to go to Sunday school, for instance, and with Zoom, and you see other people's faces, and you're greeting them. I remember we had a Thanksgiving service on Zoom, and then at the end did breakout rooms so people could see each other. And so that meant people that had moved away would appear on Zoom. The Bakers right. appeared on Zoom, and yeah. Judy O'Neill, and Joel Riemenschneider, and the guilds. It was just so. Oh yes, then the missionaries were showing up. The mm-hmm. Mark and Cora showed up from Uruguay. It, I mean, it was just something that I'm going to remember the rest of my life mm. because COVID created that. Mm. So that was a wonderful thing. We would have never experienced that otherwise. Yeah. How was Jesus glorified through that? I think one way is the real, steadfast, determined, we are going to have church anyway. Mm-hmm. I felt that way outside in the parking lot, that mm-hmm. here's a handful of people singing, and it's cold out, and we're, we're doing it anyway. I thought, this is neat to see. Mm-hmm. This is neat. Either of you two want to talk about a negative thing (laughs) i think one one negative thing is the division Mm -hmm. that arose over i mean COVID is not an important but some of the peripherals are like masks i think sure you know whether or not you wear a mask is not incredibly significant and people having different opinions about it doesn't matter but people people got kind of nasty about people of different opinions of, you know, if you're not wearing a mask, you're endangering everyone. If you are wearing a mask, I didn't really understand people who were hostile towards people that wore a mask making that decision for themselves. But I don't know, you're a sheep going, I don't know. There's just, it doesn't really matter that much. But just, you know, division over things that really don't matter, mm. I think, sadly, it was something that we saw happen. Um, mm. Yeah. 
How does Jesus redeem that? You know, the Bible tells us that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Hmm. And so I've, I've experienced a pretty full gamut of, of people's opinions on masks, um, occasionally directed at me, um, which doesn't really bother me that much because usually whether or not I'm wearing a mask is not really based off of my own personal preference or decision. It's just whatever the church's policy is. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, but on the other side of things, I think like humility, you know, when people are very like aware of uh, the other people, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, maybe I don't wear a mask normally, but if you want me to, I'll put one on like that, that kind of shines through much more brightly when, when there's a lot of like sort of, um, caustic kind of attitudes towards masks when people are much more like accommodating. It really, it really says something. Yeah. So I think that's one way is through like humility, hmm. um, which I think, you know, humility can only ever really come from, <laughs> from God. Hmm. It's not like an innate human quality. I don't think. Hmm. I was thinking through like youth ministry and like everything else um, that was going on during that time. And I think um, one thing that was negative, it's there were students who I'm sure came to or like outreach, like from like littles to like teenagers, students who come to our outreach events where that's like one of the few safe places they have throughout the week. Mm. Um, And then with everything being shut down, they were, they were at home and some like, pretty rotten situations. Right. I'm sure there's a lot of things that I'm unaware of where some of our teenagers really suffered some sort of abuse or, um, mentally, physically, spiritually. Yeah. Um, and that has either for some situations put guard guards up for some students um, who have been hurt by adults Mm. and not feeling like they can trust adults. Yeah. So. And what's one of the best things that you've seen? Well, I think seeing like it's the flip side of that is that um, when things got a little bit like there were people who, who were aware of that, being a reality for some students and they actively took, um, made like did actions to counteract that or check in on them. Um, Marquardt school, their whole school district did amazing work with like making sure students had food, Mm. um, dropping off food with like vans and like bags and, um, they were like really intentional about like during, during their like online school, like they had certain questions that they would ask to make sure the students are doing okay. Mm. Um, so there was a heightened aware of like at home, some of the students are struggling. How can we make sure that when they're around us, we can show them light. We can care for them, show them love, joy, um, and with all of that, now we're starting to see some of the teenagers at Coffee House who are coming in and like every 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 night the start of the announcement time, we go up on the stage and we say, Hello, welcome to Coffee House. And then we have some students who kind of feels like they're plants, but they're not. They just in the crowd they say, Thank you, I feel welcome. And that's like like and we had a couple of students this past week who like came, felt really welcomed and one like responded back to one of our leaders and was like, Hey, tonight I felt really welcome here. Hmm. Um, so students were in bad situations, which allows like us to be even brighter hmm. lights, um, yeah. sources of light and hope in the world. Hmm. So, so negative but then also really huge positive yeah bill what's a pain area that you've seen i I think the thing that bothers me the most was how politicized it got Mm -hmm. and then people really drew a line it was more than in the sand it was a real line and wow they would just get so cranked out Mm mm-hmm um, 
So this was brought into the life of the church and the extremes were so far extreme that you wouldn't even have 1% of the population re represented by the extremes. Right. So I'm thinking of one extreme where the couple has never come back mm -hmm. because they were, they're just that extremist. I would like them to come back. They're my friends, but that, that's, that was a real negative mm -hmm. because it had nothing to do with Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the gospel, the church. It was something that really was out of our control. Uh, so, so that was a, a true negative. And yeah. the, it's not just our church. The church has just never recovered. Mm. Uh, we don't have everybody back. We're, we're running at least a third lower than we were. Yeah. And it's not just our church. It seems to be that way across the board. I think, wow, what a, what a blow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a big blow to lose a third of your people and not get them back. Mm. How has Jesus redeemed that? How does he redeem that? I think ultimately the redemption is, this is going to sound cruel, but it's, it's separating the sheep from the goats. That mm. if you're not going to go back to church because of a political thing, then I can't help but wonder, wait a minute, mm. who is Jesus Christ in your life? Sure. Mm. Is he really the equivalent of the thoughts of people like Judas who said, I'm counting on him to defeat the Romans and set up this new kingdom? That you can't really listen to him and learn that that's not what I'm about? Hmm. Uh, I see a correlation there. I, I know that sounds very harsh, but... No. I understand. You, you can't help but think some harsh thoughts when people just cast aside the Christian faith for something that was honestly not that tough. It's, it's not like being persecuted and seeing beheadings. This is not in the same category as that. Mm. Mm. I think... Um, we've talked before about a, a friend of mine who has these sort of saying like, you know, you've got people who don't know Jesus and then you've got sort of people who are like kind of identify as Christians. And then you've got people who identify as disciples and Jesus asks us, Jesus tells us, he didn't ask us, he tells us to go and make disciples um, of all nations. And I think um, what I see when we talk about people who, you know, maybe we're connected to the church because of cultural reasons or, you know, that's, you know, traditional reasons or whatever. Um, like that is um, along with everyone else in the world, but like, that's who we're called to say like, okay, like, well then it's time to, to go and, and try to make disciples out of, mm -hmm. um, out of cultural Christianity um, in the United States. And I don't know what that looks like, <laughs> but I can say like, <coughs> Um, you know, I, I think that's something that maybe we're seeing more of as well anyway. Scott, what's the best thing that's come out of the last two years? I don't know if this is the best thing, but it's a good thing um, that we've had to, by necessity, try new things and mm -hmm. and change the way we do things. And um, And I think even now, even as things are at least at church and like how we operate, pretty normal again. Uh, like we're not doing, you know, online church exclusively. You know, for example, we have all three of our services back in. Masks are at your discretion. Uh, so it's like pretty normal. But even still, I think you can still kind of see some of the lessons and tools that we gained over the last two years kind of coming through, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of like the fact, even just the fact that every week uh, for a staff meeting, we, we Zoom Nita in. I mean, like, not that video chat was that revolutionary of a thing two years ago, but I don't know if we would have even thought about doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but now, it, like, Zoom is just so accessible that it's it's just kind of like a tool in our arsenal now. And it was for a while mm -hmm. a necessity, but now it's just something that we can use that might mm -hmm. help us sometimes and might not other times. And so we'll use it when we think it will help. Yeah. Uh, as well as, you know, just familiarity with um, different technologies and... and uh, 
you know, kind of shifting things up. I mean, we can't know for sure what would have happened or wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. But, you know, I think about the things that have happened, you know, the, you know, the fact that we have an app now and we're, we're using that for a variety of different things yeah. or the fact that we have the weekly, like kind of like newsletter email thing, the better together, uh, the fact that we call it better together. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a, a direct result of the pandemic. Um, uh, the quality of the video work that we put together for the services is just all these things that we either wouldn't have done or might not have done as quickly or wouldn't have done as well. Mm-hmm. That uh, now we, we just have a lot more tools that we can utilize. Um, yeah going forward yeah i like that answer it's helped us in adult education at eleven forty because the people mm. that come to the nine o'clock service say i want to take this class on experiencing the holy spirit can i zoom so there's three or four that zoom in we would have never done that yeah we would have never even had a class at eleven forty before that was a new idea too i'm learning that we're better equipped to deal with Mm shut-ins. The shut-ins like to go to the online service. Yeah. Yeah, and this this is neat because most churches, we just hadn't figured out how do you deal with shut-ins? What do Mm -hmm. you do? Well, here's one thing that looks to be working. Yeah. I know they really liked when Scott and Chelsea sang at six o'clock. Mm, yeah. Because when we go out and make visits, they'll say, Oh yeah, I I really like singing with you guys. And thought, huh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. When's that coming back, Scott? <laughs> I think we should really evaluate when do we bring back every day? <laughs> I mean, we did that every day. We did. Back at the beginning wow. of the pandemic. I mean, not the weekends, I don't think, but every weekday. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. For like three months. Yeah, or something like that. Man, that was crazy. Yeah. But there was a desire for it because people were so isolated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't fly at a time where they're not isolated. Like, I'm not stopping what I'm doing to go to a computer. And Well, <laughs> if you can't leave your house for a few months at a time, you yeah. will do that. Yeah. And then I guess the last question uh, to to piggyback on on what we've been sort of asking for these good and bad things is, um, you know, as of today, again, things aren't the way they were two weeks ago. I mean, two things aren't the way. Well, that's true. But things aren't the way they were, you know, two years ago or three Gas years prices. ago. Gas prices. Gas prices are not what they were two hours ago. Um, but uh, how... I think this is the question that we asked at like our six month COVID check-in. Um, but how does Jesus win in, in the coronavirus? How does the kingdom of God continue to advance? What is our hope? What are our marching orders? <laughs> like, you know, if Jesus isn't afraid of the, of the coronavirus, isn't afraid of shutdowns and masks and whatever, um, like what is all right i thinking of the food pantry mm-hmm. that was really great mm. that people came judy waters just set up the coolest setup where you you could pull your car to the front of the church and people would go right through those lobby doors put your food in the trunk, pray with you. That was probably the best connected our church was to the community ever. Yeah. It was really, really neat. Yeah. So I think he was glorified by that. Mm. And we prayed with literally hundreds and hundreds of people over that about a year and a half that we did the food pantry. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, that was something I'll never forget. Yeah. Well, something I hope to see is, well, actually, I've got two thoughts. Um, One is, like Bill said, I do think it's not a bad thing for the church. And I'm not saying that this has happened, but the death of cultural Christianity is a good thing for the church, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, because I think cultural Christianity has done a lot of harm over the last 2,000 years. Um, looking at, you know, cultural Christianity was 
the pervasive form of Christianity in Europe <laughs> for like a lot of the Middle Ages, and look at what happened. Um, some interesting, not so great things. Um, so I think it, that's not a bad thing. And so I think even though it can be discouraging um, to look out and see fewer people in a service, I think if the people that are there are are sold out and are and are committed and are you know real, uh, I think that that's going to really bolster. I mean, I. It, it, because we all know, we all know that there is a negative perception of the church in America. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that real, like actual, you know, disciple Christians haven't made mistakes that have hurt people and caused problems because they have. Um, but I do think that we can start turning that around or that can start getting turned around um, if if the people in the church are, are the people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit and being sanctified by the power of Jesus Christ in their lives. Mm. Um, and that will show that'll, you know, I think one, why does the church do so well in a persecution? A lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I think is like, you're not a part of it if you're not a part of it, right? Like you're not going to be like, Hey, I'll, I'll get shot, please. Right. I don't really believe it, but sign me up. Like, no, right. you're only there if you really believe it. Yep. And so I think that that's, that's going to be really powerful and beneficial. And, and one thing that I hope um, will happen is that as things kind of are opening back up and people are getting less afraid, you know, after 9-11, a lot of people flocked to churches because they were confused and scared. Um, and that's awesome mm-hmm. uh, that people were going to the church for answers. COVID didn't really provide an easy avenue for that because <laughs> churches were kind of closed, or right. at least the buildings were closed, when probably people had their most kind of confused and, and questioning and scared uh, mindsets. But now I imagine that for many people, I don't know how many, but probably for many, that that um, is lingering. You know, why did this happen? Hmm. You know, how do we move forward? What does this say about the things that I thought were important before? Um, They're grieving. They've lost loved ones. They've lost jobs. They've lost homes. And I think that now that things are, are starting to open back up again and there's less f- risk, whatever, uh, to like to go to church, I, I hope that we will see those people start coming, um, those people who have all sorts of questions because of COVID. Right. I think that's going to be a big win uh, and probably already has been. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think of, of the woman that uh, Pastor Davis talked about, his neighbor, who's, I think, going to grief share or wants to, and she's watching online because her husband died from COVID mm-hmm. um, and she is now connecting to the church in a way that she never did before. Mm-hmm. And obviously her husband passing is a tragedy. Um, but the beauty, th- the beautiful thing about God is that he redeems those tragedies and can work them for good. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be hopefully going to be a big way. Mm-hmm. Daniel. I think, um, the question was, can you say that one more time? Yeah. Uh, how does Jesus and the kingdom of God win going mm-hmm. forward? Right? How does yep. it? How does he continue to advance? Yeah, I think my 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 hope slash seeing in the present too is that it this past two years has created resilient disciples. Um, these are disciples who have gone through two years of craziness. Uh-huh. Um, and my hope is that going through all of that will, especially like for teenagers and really anybody seeing that God is present, God was present during those two years that my, from what I've heard and seen from other people is like during the past two years, they've had encounters with God Mm. And knowing that now they're having encounters with God. So then to create kind of that resiliency. So in the future, when God feels distant, they can be reminded that during this hard two years, um, God was with them. God is still with them. Going to be with them in the future. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like my overall hope and seeing how the kingdom of God is glorified and moved forward is that it has strengthened the church Mm. Mm. and there's still some growing that needs to happen. I'm, I, I have a picture painted of like 
the remnant left mm. over during the exile. Mm. Um, and like there's a rebuilding that's going to happen and needing to happen. But like God was with them during the exile. Mm-hmm. God's going to be with them when they come, when things get rebuilt. Mm. So that's yeah. kind of. Yeah. And he calls us each to respond to what his Holy Spirit tells us to do. Mm-hmm. So when we need to know what to do, he will tell us what to do. <laughs> Amen. Well, that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. This has been... <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Daniel. Thank, Thank you, Max. Max. Daniel, take us home. Take us home? Take us home. Take me home. Country roads. <laughs> to the... You have been listening... To the Daniel Wright Podcast. Brought to you live from Daniel, Illinois. (laughs) You've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois. The heart of the nation. Uh, Let's do a mic check really quick. Um... Bill, what do you think our word should be for the day? Greed. <laughs> the word of the day is greed. 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 <laughs> Weird. It's Aaron Rodgers. That's what's stuck. Uh, <laughs> All right, hold on one second.